we are not our own. We were bought at a price. And if we belong to him, then our whole lives are in his care and keeping. So we're back in the boat again. Jesus is not with his disciples this time, but we're in the boat again. There's another wind, another wave. Uh, but Jesus is here to show himself to us. Please stand to hear the gospel from Jesus, the gospel about Jesus from Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 45. This is right after, right after, Mark uses the word immediately, right after the feeding of the 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, that's the crowd, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he, Jesus, was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, calm our hearts with the strong voice of your gospel. Calm our hearts with the calm voice that you spoke to your disciples. Speak those same words to us. Be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid. It's me. And so, Lord, let, let your comfort come to your people through my voice and through their hearing. Let my speaking and their hearing be pleasing in your sight, God, because you alone, you alone are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, <laughs> here we are again. We're in a boat, in a lake, with wind and the waves. After, just put this in context for you, after Jesus had gotten away with his disciples, after he, he taught the people all day, after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat. I don't want you to miss it, how strongly Jesus commanded almost his disciples to go. He made them, he sent them into the boat to go to the other side of the lake. And here we are again. The disciples are in a boat. The winds are in the sails. The waves are at the boat. Except this time, Jesus is on a mountainside. He's doing for himself what he had wanted his disciples to do for themselves the day before. Come, remember, he said, come away with me by yourselves and get some rest. But there was the crowd. It was Jesus' turn. After a day of teaching, after a day of feeding, Jesus himself got up on a mountainside to pray and his disciples were in the middle of the lake. Maybe not a storm this time, but just wind and waves blowing against the boat. But either way, here we are again in a boat 
in a lake with winds in the sails and waves beating against the boat. Here we are again. Or maybe in your case, you might say to yourselves when this sort of thing happens again, here we go again. You know how that goes in, in our regular lives, at least, at least in my case? You, you get through a season of suffering, a moment of suffering or trial or tribulation, and you know that the Lord wants to teach you something through it. He always designs in all of our troubles and trials, He always designs to refine our faith and to teach us something. And and it's Matthew who talks about Peter walking on water, but if, if you compare the first storm and the second storm, Peter's grown in faith. But Mark's not real interested in Peter, not sure why. He doesn't even bring him up. But you know how that goes in your life. You grow from your you grow in your faith, but then it happens again. Here we go again. And you wonder to yourself, why, Lord, why am I going through this again? Didn't I already learn that lesson? Here we go again. And there's Jesus on the top of the mountainside. He's praying to his Father. But I don't want you to get the idea that Jesus is inattentive or unconcerned about his disciples. He's up there praying, and we're left to wonder, what is Jesus praying about? And if you permit a little bit of imagination that just tries to understand what's going on here, it's Jesus praying for strength, but Jesus also likely praying for his disciples. It's intercession. But he's not just praying, he's also seeing his disciples. It's the middle of the night. It's probably past the middle of the night, somewhere between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning. They've been working against the wind and the waves all night. Jesus is on the mountainside praying all night, and he sees them. So much comfort there, isn't it? Jesus is not like a false god who has eyes but cannot see who has ears and cannot hear, who has hands but cannot help. Our our Savior, Jesus, has eyes to see and ears to hear cries and hands to help and and even feet to walk on water. (laughs) Right? Here's our Savior, Jesus, who sees his disciples, and then he goes out to them on on the water, defying all the laws of gravity, but is not he who made the laws so that he can defy them and rule over them, treading upon the seas as the Lord of the seas, walking out to his disciples, and then he does something weird. He's about to pass by. I don't think the NIV quite grasps. They're trying to make sense of that. I think everybody reads that verse and says, what is going on right now? Why is Jesus about to pass by? But I think it's even stronger than he, he was about to do it, like he, there were two ships passing in the night. The, the trans, a, a more literal translation would be, He wanted to pass by. It was his desire and intention to pass them by. What's even stranger is that the disciples saw him and they didn't know who it was. It's a ghost. It's a phantom. It's an apparition. What is this on the water? They should have known, right? They should have known who it was that was passing by in front of them. They had seen so much from Jesus, have we not? Seen the same things from Jesus? They have no reason to be afraid, and yet they went to pieces. We have no reason to be afraid, and yet we go to pieces. Let's just go through this real quick, just to remember these things. 
There is no, here's the second fill-in, there is no reason to fear. One, because Jesus had and he still has all the power. I, I know this is like kindergarten stuff for Christians, but we have to remember this again. Had not the disciples seen all of these things from Jesus before, just in this short little Waymaker series where we're looking at the miracles of Jesus and Mark, or some of them anyway, we, we have Jesus who sleeps in the boat during a storm and then stops the waves and the wind in a moment. It wasn't like it slowly got calm, it just got calm. And then he's on a 911 call to Jairus' daughter who's dying and a woman just touches the edge of his robe and she's better. And then he gets to Jairus' daughter who in the meantime had died and he speaks a word, little girl, I say get up and takes her hand and she gets up. And then Jesus takes five loaves of bread and he multiplies by dividing. Figure that math out for me. And he feeds the thousands. And now here he is on the boat, on the lake. He, he had and has all the power to guard and keep and protect and rule over anything that's happening down here. And he doesn't just have power, he has, he's deeply concerned for us, deeply cares for us. Even when he's tired as a human being. Remember the day before feeding the 5,000? Jesus and his disciples were trying to escape, <laughs> to get some rest. And as soon as they got out of the boat, the crowd is already there. And what was Jesus' response? It wasn't, oh no, here we go. It was, he was deeply concerned. He was compassionate for them. His heart went out to them because he saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he taught them and he fed them, and he cared for them. And there's so many other examples. This word, whenever you see compassionate, whenever Jesus was compassionate in the Scriptures, it means his heart turns over inside of him. It's not just a caring action. It's a deep, concerned, compassionate feeling for people, even for you. And, and what is all of this, this power and this concern? It's all about Jesus. What was he saying? The kingdom of God is near. It is at hand. When we think about the kingdom of God, there, there's one primary thing I want you to think about. Pastor Krieger said this earlier on. The kingdom of God is the gospel coming to people and bring them under the rule of God. It's about people's hearts being ruled by Jesus, coming into his kingdom to live under him, as we say, in righteousness and purity forever. But on a less important note, but uh, I'm not going to say less important because it's equally important. When Jesus is coming with his kingdom, it is also to restore all creation, all things to the way it was supposed to be, the way it was, and the way it will yet be. Think about this. You know the answers to this. Why is there sickness? Sin and its curse. See if you can get the refrain. Why is there hunger? Sin and its curse. Why are there natural disasters? Sin and its curse. I think you get the idea, right? Why, why do we carry guilt? Sin and its curse. And I'm not trying to be flippant about this, but everything comes back to sin and its curse. And so in these miracles, what is Jesus doing? For a moment, 
Sometimes that's all it is. He's giving us a glimpse of what's coming. For a, for a moment when he feeds the thousands, he gives us a glimpse of the feast in heaven. For, for the, for when he heals the woman bleeding and raises the girl who died, for a moment he gives us a glimpse of what eternity is going to be like when there will be no more death and no more sickness. When he, when he calms the storm, he gives us a glimpse of the time when the sea will be glassy. When we eat at the table, this one's more normal for you to think about. When we eat at the table, what is he doing? He's giving us a glimpse of the feast, the, the eternal feast we will eat where Jesus will wait on us and serve us with his food. Right? So in all of these things, in all of these miracles, Jesus gives us a glimpse, a taste of the kingdom of God coming to full fruition. Not only forgiving sins, most importantly forgiving sins, but also restoring all things and bringing all things back under his rule and control, never to go wayward again. The disciples should have known that. But, but instead, they're, they're going to pieces. They're, they're falling apart. Why? why? Why couldn't they see Jesus as he passed by in front of them? Why wasn't the response like, guys, look, it's Jesus, you know, later on, like in John? It's Jesus. He, he gave us another miraculous catch of fish. Why not now? Why do we have so much trouble sometimes seeing Jesus at work in our lives? Sometimes when we read the Bible, we ask questions like that, and we're like, I don't know. We can throw some guesses out there. I, I, don't, I don't really know, though. I'm just going to guess. But Mark actually gives us a little bit of insight into why the disciples didn't. I want you to pay attention to what he says at the very conclusion of this account. End of this, verse 51, verse 52. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Why didn't they get it? It wasn't unbelief, I want to be clear. But it was a hardness about their hearts that just couldn't and didn't yet see, maybe wouldn't yet see who it was that Jesus is and what it was that Jesus was doing. It wasn't just about that moment. It was they didn't understand about the breaking of the bread and how powerful and mighty and how messianic Jesus was. Why is it that we sometimes have trouble seeing Jesus at work in our lives? Could it be that we're in the same place? Not unbelievers. I want to be clear. I'm not calling you a bunch of unbelievers because I don't believe that you are. But could it we be that we're more like the disciples, hardened, darkened? I do believe, Lord. Help me overcome my unbelief. But do you want to see him? Do you want to see his glory and his goodness and his power and his might? Jesus wants you to. He wants you to see him. In, in fact, I want to lay this before you. That's why he passes by. Jesus passes by because he wants you to see him. This, this one who walks on water... By the way, there's some readings you can look at. I'm going to refer to them, but not quote them, at least in full. 
This one who walks on water is the one, Job, Job says this, he treads on the waves. He is the one who stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He is the one who puts the bear and the Orion and the Pleiades and all the constellations in their places. He is the one who does wonders that no one can fathom and miracles that no one can count. And he doesn't pass by in the night so that no one can see him. He passes by so that you can see him. Moses, he wanted to see the glory and the goodness of God. Remember that moment is after the Red Sea. God, Moses wants assurance that God is going to be with him. He wanted to see the glory of God. He even dared to say to God, show me your glory. And what did God say to him? God, the sovereign Lord, the God of mercy and might, the God of compassionate and faithful love, what did he say? Go hide in the rock and I will pass by so that you can see my glory. And the Lord passed in front of Moses and this is what he said. In your heart, say it. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God who is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sins. That's the God who passes by in front of Moses. That's the God who passes by in front of you in water, word, and supper, who passes by to proclaim his name to you, to proclaim his love to you, to proclaim his cross to you, to proclaim his forgiveness to you. He passes by so that you can get a good look at him. Because sometimes you really need it. Remember Elijah? He's running for his life from Queen Jezebel. She wants him dead. He's, he's telling God, the sovereign Lord, the God of mercy and might, God, I'm done. I'm the only one left. Now they want to kill me too. And God says, Elijah, go hide in the rock, in the cave, because I'm going to pass by. And then there was a storm. But the Lord was not in the storm. And then there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. But then there was a fire, and the Lord was not in the, for, in the fire. But then there was a gentle whisper. And the Lord was in the whisper. And Elijah went out to hear what the Lord had to say. So the Lord passed by Elijah so that he could see. And how do we see? We see by hearing. See, our Savior passes by every Sunday in word and sacrament so you can see him. The Lord passes by every time you open his word so that you can see him. The Lord even passes by through the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters who come alongside of you in your troubles to encourage you and to bring the word to you. See, the Lord always passes by so that you can see him and know him and believe in him. See, here we are again. <laughs> right? Here we are again. We're in a boat, in a lake, the wind and the waves. And if you're not in that moment now, maybe the sermon isn't for today. Maybe it's for tomorrow or the next day. 
Because if you're not in a storm right now, you, you, I can guarantee you will be because that's just life in this world until glory. We get glimpses of glory, but they never last. We always come down from the mountain. And when that day comes, you're going to say, here we go again. And remember this, when that day comes, look over the side of your boat, look out and see it's Jesus passing by. And this is what he says, buck up. Take courage. That's, what, that's why I put that in the email, because it's this idea of being courageous because of who he is. Take courage. Don't be afraid. It's me, Jesus. The one who stretched out the canopy of the heavens, the one who put the stars in their places, the one who treads on the seas as if it were firm, dry ground, the one who died on a cross. The one who conquered the gates of the grave. The one who ascended far above all things and now sits in power. The one who's coming back to take you to be with him in all glory. The one who in the end will restore and renew all things. And the one who will make all things new. Look over the side of your boat and see Jesus. Your Savior, your King, your friend. You've seen him now. Don't be afraid. Buck up. Be courageous. It's Jesus. And he passes by in front of you so that you can get a good look at him. Amen? Amen. Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way the Lord be with you. Amen.